You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. It isn't one in the usual style with another accountant. Today is actually some, an interview with someone that has proven to be a real inspiration to me. Jody Thompson, who wrote the book, Work Sucks and How to Fix It, had a profound impact when I read the book a few years ago. It immediately led me to moving towards a results-only work environment of changing the complete culture in my firm where our people could work, work when, where, and how they want, as long as the work gets done commonly referred to by Jody as a results-only work environment. It has had uh, multiple advantages and benefits to our firm in terms of morale and productivity and general employee well-being. Staff turnover has been at a complete low since we introduced it. And if you follow my stuff, then you'll know I talk about it a lot. But I am honored to have with me on the podcast today the author and the founder of the Row Movement, uh, Jody Thompson. So without further ado, let's get stuck in and hear, see what, uh, hear what uh, Jody has to say. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, if you are here, just tell me, say hi in the chat box. Let me know that you are here. So um, we know that uh, you are well and you are listening. Give us some love in the chat box. Say hello. Tell us where you are tuning in from today. If you are watching live, then just put in hashtag live in the comments. If you're watching on replay, you can type in hashtag replay in the comments. If you are listening on your on the podcast, then hello to you. Uh, because you'll be listening after the event. But I am so pleased and um, honored to have with me a special guest today, Jody Thompson. Hello to you, Jody. Hello, it's great to be here. This is going to be an exciting conversation. <laughs> it is indeed. And uh, I'm honored because Jody's work has had a profound impact on me personally and my life in terms of the way that um, I, uh, I changed the culture in my firm a few years ago. And it was down to Jody's work and the brilliant book that she wrote called Work Sucks, which I know that many of you who kind of follow me have probably heard about because I talk about it a lot and uh, <laughs> all about the results on your work environment and how it's it's mad that there are not um you know, other other companies or other firms doing this uh, in as much as they should be. So we'll get on to that um, very shortly. But first, I want to I want to hear from you if you are here. Let me know if you're here. So I'll give you a little shout out. Thank you, John, for saying hello. Hello to you, John. If you are watching on Facebook, you might just have to click on the StreamYard link up above so I can see your name. Otherwise, it won't tell me who you are and you'll just appear as a Facebook user. So so I can actually give you a shout out. Uh, just click on the StreamYard link and give them access to your name so that we can do that. Okay, well, let's um, let's get cracking. And as always, if you have any questions throughout this conversation, please put them in the comments and I will put them to Jody because this is what it's all about. It's a live session. So you get the benefit of being able to ask Jody anything you like uh, about culture, results, and your work environment. So do use this opportunity to do so. Hello there, Killen. Good to see you. Hello there, Michelle. Good to see you here. I know you are um, looking forward to this one, as am I. So, Jody, let's uh, let's get cracking, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay. So to begin with, let's, I want to hear in your words, because I mean, I talk about this a lot and, and everyone has their own spin on things um, and the way that they communicate, uh, you know, what a results only work environment is. But we'll start off with, we'll talk about what is a, a, a row. Actually, you know, a funny story. Um, when I spoke to Elliot, I, I have the last few years been referring to the row as a rowie. <laughs> and it is my fault that probably a lot of other accountants refer to it as a rowie because they've heard me say it's a rowie. But actually, when Elliot said it's a row, I thought, oh, okay, um, my bad here. Uh, and clearly, Jody came up with this acronym, so I have to follow Jody's line in terms of how it's pronounced. So, everyone out there, it's not pronounced rowie, it's a row from now <laughs> onwards. <laughs> that, that's good. Yes, row. Okay, not the uh, not the we on the end, but um, yeah, we'll talk about what the row is. Um, I'd also be um, uh, intrigued to hear from your perspective how the pandemic has has changed uh, people's opinions and the working cultures. I've certainly found that it's uh, it's actually a silver lining in in the way that that shift has happened. That we've kind of accelerated um, uh, our, our working practices and cultures by probably over a decade as a result of the pandemic than um, than if it hadn't happened and forced us to do so. Um, so we'll talk about that. We can talk about. Um, you know, why, why is it taking the world so long to catch up to this way of doing things, which just seems so obvious to you and I? Um, mm -hmm. uh, we can talk about specifically, I represent the accounting profession. I'm an accountant. I also help other accountants in terms of uh, um, how to build more successful, impactful and profitable accounting firms and how accounting firms are actually taking a bit of a lead in, uh, in changing their working practices with uh, becoming more like a row where only the results should matter and not the time we put in. But anyway, enough from me. I want to hear from you. <laughs> How would you describe the row for uh, those listening? So th I think this is going to be a big shift for people as they hear about what the results only work environment really is. So I'm going to start out by saying it's not a work from home program. It has nothing to do with work location. So if you're talking about the hybrid model or work from home or flexible work schedule, those are all programs. And the results only work environment is a mindset shift. So over the last year, I'm sure that your listeners today have gone through a lot of different, you know, emotions and feelings about the pandemic and how things have changed. People have gone from being primarily in the office or at a work location, and then they're now in their homes. I will tell you this, Nothing has changed. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Nothing has changed. And I, here's how I know that. I know that because companies all over the globe now that are able to bring people back into the office are now doing that. So even though over the past year, many of us have been able to work just fine from a different location, they're bringing us all back in. Because the belief, the mindset is that if you're not in the office altogether, then collaboration doesn't happen, work really isn't happening. There's still that belief system. So nothing's changed. Results only work environment is this. Each person is 100% accountable. Okay, that's the first part. But the other flip to that is they're also 100% autonomous, not flexible. Autonomy is, I make choices every day myself, I don't ask permission, but I make choices every day about where's the best place right now for me to get my work done. 
Is it in my house, a coffee shop, the office, my cabin, in bed? Where should I be right now to get results? And that is very different than what we're experiencing even today. When people went into their homes during the pandemic, they still didn't have a choice. And we brought management mindset into our homes. I need you to be on from eight to five. I need to see you. I need you to be dressed appropriately. I need you to check in. I need to know that you're available. All of those same things. And I need you to be in 45 Zoom meetings a day. <laughs> so really nothing's changed. And you know that because you have been working yourself on for your own business, Reza, creating the results only work environment, which has not one little thing to do with work location and everything to do with, am I getting the work done, period? Absolutely. Is that helpful? Yeah, definitely. And um, no, it's good to hear it in your words. Clearly, I've, I've kind of talked about this a lot as well, that um, the only thing should matter is the results. Who cares where people are, um, you know, when they are working, just make it very clear as to what you expect and by when do you need it, and then trust your employees and your team members to deliver. Treat everyone like adults. Um, and I don't know whether you saw that little, little skit video I made in terms of it, it's bizarre how college students and university students have a lot more autonomy than those who have graduated from college and go into a career where at college and university you're expected to manage your own time you're expected to you know if you want to attend lectures you attend lectures you know that if you attend the lectures you do your assignments you uh, put the work in that you get the results you'll graduate with the flying colors that you want you also Correct. know if you don't attend lectures you don't do assignments you party every night and you probably <laughs> won't get those results and yet you go into the workplace and now you're told by somebody else you must sit between the hours of nine to five in a certain place in order for work to get done you don't have a professor standing over you in the library when you're at college asking you to sit there between the hours of nine to five because that's the only way the work gets done you're expected to, to you're trusted to do that work because you know if you do the work you get the results well that's uh, right but guess what in the workplace you can actually go along and not get any results and you still get a paycheck <laughs> so to your example when you're in college if you don't get the grades you don't get a degree but in the workplace, if you don't do your job, you still get a paycheck. That is the problem. And people do not know what they're being measured on. But they do know that they're if they're putting their time, then that's become the measure of work. So if I come into an office and I do my time, I sort of do some stuff and I look like I'm working, I can still get a paycheck. So that's where we've broken down. We've broken down in the fact that, like you said, if people understand what their results are and what they need to deliver, and we trust them to do that, then if they don't deliver, the obvious thing would be to say, well, then you don't have a job with us. But instead we say, oh, well, maybe you need to, you know, sit in your cube longer. Maybe you need, I need to like sit next to you. Like we treat them like children, like you're saying, we don't treat people like they're adults that can make the appropriate decisions if they're clear on the result that they need to achieve. Mm, absolutely, and I think that's that's the biggest challenge for for most. I know when I uh, talk to other practice owners, I think that's, that's the hardest bit, that mm -hmm. uh, people struggle, employers struggle to actually articulate what is it that's being expected of you? What are the expectations? How do I hold you accountable? What are the results? And because employers, 
can't actually articulate that and, and struggle to actually pinpoint what results and accountability mean, then the default position is to just say, right, okay, sit in the office for eight hours and, and I'll pay you for time. But like you quite, uh, uh, you know, the, I love your line in the book where you said, you don't pay people for a chunk of time, you pay people for a chunk of work. So what is that work? And you can't expect your employees to know what that work is and what those results are and how they should be held accountable if you haven't actually, uh, you know, articulated that or if that isn't clear to you, how do you expect it to be clear to your employees? That's that's correct. You know, when we go in and do implementation workshops and companies all over the globe, we'll ask the question in a room of 30 people, how many of you are crystal clear about the results you need to achieve? Are you clear about the measure of your work? We will get three quarters of the people saying they do not know. But what they do know is they know how many vacation days they get. They know what time to come in. They know what time to leave. They know all of the rules of work, but they don't know the work. And what we have been helping people do and realize over the last 15 years is that it's really not the job of the manager to know everything. And it's not the job of the manager to tell you what your job is. Really the work and understanding the work is a conversation that everybody needs to have together. Managers feel like, oh, it's, it's all up to me. And that's where they default to time because they, they don't have all the information they need potentially, or they're not having the right conversations. Instead, they're having a conversation about, yes, it's okay for you to leave early today. That's the conversation of work. The conversation of work isn't the work. If it was the work, we wouldn't be worried about where people were working from or what time they showed up in an office. It would just be kind of an irrelevant thing. And that's what the results-only work environment is doing for organizations. It's removing the focus on things that are irrelevant and shifting the focus and the language and the conversations to the actual work. So we don't have to waste any more of our lives or our time on stuff that doesn't matter and just watch our lives just go by us as we're sitting there knowing we're wasting, wasting precious time on old, outdated rules. Absolutely. No, definitely. And um, yeah, something I learned from your book as well is that, you know, who, who says that work happens just between nine to five and between 40 hours a week. This is a relic of the industrial age when we had to work in the factories for things to physically get produced, widgets to get produced between those hours. Fast forward 100 plus years, we're in the digital age. We are knowledge workers. You could have a million dollar idea in the shower. You know, where do I put that on the timesheet is what I tell the accountants. Right. You know, it's very fluid. We don't necessarily have to be at a desk for those certain number of hours for work to get done. Um, and I think you also made the point in the book about the moment we are we are uh, remunerating people based on a mixture of time and results, mm -hmm. which does lend itself to people doing busy work, making themselves look busy just because they're being remunerated on a mixture of time and results. But when you take time out of the equation and only focus on results, what you get, the busy work falls out of the way and you get people focused on actually generating results where you're going to take the organization forward, which are actually going to fulfill the objectives of the organization if they have been made clear by management, of course, which is the, the hardest bit, I think, in all of this. Yeah, you know, I think what's funny is 
people say to me a lot or managers say to me, well, <clears throat> wonder if somebody gets their work done in two hours, right? Mm -hmm. And I say back, well, great, they must be efficient. Like, so what, yeah. they're getting it done, right? They're clearly getting it done. Here's the thing that's funny about time is that they could have always gotten their work done in two hours, but they spread it out mm -hmm. into eight because that's what we have to do. And so what we're doing is we're reinforcing inefficiency by using time as a measure of work. When you take that out, it's amazing. And I know you know this, it's amazing how people step up to the plate and, and actually get stuff done in a really, really good way, measurable way. And they can do that in their lives as well. So the idea that if I'm getting my work done in less time, I need more busy work is a completely outdated in a world today where contemporary society is moving forward. Every, you know, digital age is moving forward. Everything's going at the speed of light and the workplace is stuck in 1952. <laughs> it's stuck. Absolutely. And there really has to be a change in management and how how we think about managers. So that relationship I have with my manager should not be authoritarian. It should be one of us both working together to be clear about what I need to deliver or what we need to deliver as a team. And that conversation is adult to adult. It's not um, me fearing, you know, my authoritarian manager or having to ask permission. It's adult people all together figuring it out. And then the manager becomes a coach. That's my results coach. I think that um, one of the things to, for your reader or listeners to think about is the term manager says you're going to manage me, right? And what we need managers to do is stop managing people and start managing the work. Stop managing me. Don't need you to manage me. I can manage myself. But let's get clear about the work so that I can do it in the most efficient and effective way possible. That's going to be the future of work. I got to tell you, all this talk about hybrid is just, you know what I mean. It's like yeah. we have gone nowhere in the last year. We're still controlling people's time. We're still deciding which people need to be in and which need, people need to buy out. And now we're talking about if you have hybrid, you're going to split your workforce. And all of a sudden, you're going to have all these people that are not going to get promoted because they're not in the office and all the office people getting all the promotions. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just focus on the work. And stop looking at job codes and saying, you can work from home. You can work from home. You can't. You can't. You can't. Three days in the office, two days at home. The conversation hasn't changed. Yeah. It's yeah, sad. Absolutely. It is. And, uh, and and like you kind of touched upon, the if only employers would realize that the employees might waste an employer's time, but they won't waste their own time. So give them control over right. their time. Allow them to get their work done in however long it takes them so right. that the rest of the time is theirs. And then they'll cut out the busy work. They will be the efficient worker that you want them to be. They will get the work done. They will get the results done. 
because like us you know in terms of the the owners uh, of 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 the of our businesses our employees have demands on their life just like we do we have mm-hmm. demands of our life we have demands of our work we have you know kids to drop to school in the morning we may have appointments to take them to we have our shopping to do there are so <laughs> many demands on our life that we have to cover in a given week we as the owners of the business we have that flexibility and freedom to be able to manage our time based on the demands of our life which means and i think i got this from your book that life is hectic but life is manageable right. for the employees life is equally hectic they have the same demands of their work of their life of dropping kids of their appointments of doing the groceries and getting a social life built in but life for them is hectic but because you control their time life is miserable so yes control and autonomy over their time and trust them to get the work done and hold them accountable to the work rather than just you know expecting them to be there between certain hours because it doesn't help you and it doesn't help them either you know as long as somebody else is managing your time you're never going to achieve that elusive work life balance whatever that whatever that is you're never going to when somebody else is is managing your time every day you know you have a facebook user out here that's saying i love this one how do you cope with expectations of clients if teams are working where they want okay so let me just say the client is the work number 1 that's why you were hired to serve the client so whatever the expectations of the client are in terms of what they need is what you focus on if they say well i need to know that you're sitting in an office all day long then you have to start switching that conversation because their needs can be met if you understand what those needs are and that's what the team needs to focus on not where people are working from you know i um i have clients obviously all over the place and they never ask me where i'm working from <laughs> our, our conversations are around what they need and how i can help them and then we talk about that they don't say well where are you going to work from on tuesday why does that matter I I don't even know where to work from on Tuesday cuz I don't know what you need. If I know what you need, then I know where to be. If I have no idea what you need, then it's just a crapshoot. Should I be at home in an office, the cabin? I have no idea. I think that's the one thing that's difficult to understand is that if we start with the work first, then we make the right decisions about where to be and when. If we don't understand the work and we don't know what we're supposed to do, we default to the office. That's the sad part. So, all of you that are listening out there, think more about the work first rather than go somewhere and then maybe think about it. Think about the work first and if you don't aren't clear about it, that's where you start the conversation with your manager and your team members. Yeah. I think uh Penny the one who asked this question is follow up whether it's more when um and you know on that point Penny it's about it's having that conversation with your team member to actually articulate to them well what does work mean what are the results that we want to achieve for our clients Correct. and be very clear about that to say well these are your clients our expectation is that you will service these clients you will meet the deadlines you will get back to them in x amount of working hours or whatever that 
expectation is in terms of what your your service level agreements are with your clients, whatever you want to achieve, the service levels that you want to be held accountable to, you have those conversations with your team members. Tell them your expectations and allow them the autonomy to actually work around those and get things done by whatever expectations you have held them accountable to do. And they are adults. It's you know, there's this myth that when you go uh, to a row that everyone will you know not start working until midnight and work till five a.m. <laughs> It doesn't happen that nope. way. You know, people still work kind of, you know, in the normal uh, working day when the sun is shining. That's mm -hmm. when work does generally happen. So, you know, don't don't worry about, um, you know, employees working crazy hours and just moving to the Bahamas and, and working from there. It doesn't really happen. Clearly communicate what you expect by when do you need it? What are the results that you want to achieve for your clients? And let your employees be held accountable against those expectations. Oh, there's another really good one that just came in from Sharon. So she wants to know how you manage the phone lines. So, so Sharon, that's a good question. And we get that often. We've worked in with call centers. And it's this is an interesting story for you. So we worked with um, a group that was direct customer facing. So they had to answer the phones, right, for the customer. And they were all across Canada from coast to coast. And before, the manager would manage coverage. The manager would tell people when they need to be on the phones, what, when they took their breaks, everything. In a results-only work environment, you don't do that. The expectation is that you will cover the customer and the team figures that out. Interesting things happened. First of all, when the team owns coverage and owns the customer, they actually step up to the plate because that's their job. And the manager doesn't manage that anymore. But here's what's something that's really cool. So on one side of Canada, so the East Coast, they're managing the customer at a certain time. And the West Coast is managing the customer at another time. So I'm over on the West Coast doing an um, implementation workshop. And one of the people in the room said, just out of the blue at the very end, he goes, you know, I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I would love to help the East Coast. Like I'm available then, I, I, that's when I feel great. And what happened from coast to coast is people started to just fluidly come in and out to manage the customer. They learned more about the customer, they learned more about each other, and they stopped acting in a siloed time zone way. They acted in a way of, when people had energy, they came in and out and everything got covered. And so I think we, we have this thing in our brains about if we don't manage people, then everything will fall apart. But if we start managing the expectation of the work and what the client needs and have that conversation, people are amazing and how they step up to the plate. When I watched this happen in Canada, I was just thrilled because I know people can do this. But we have to we have to shift the mindset. And that's the hard part, because what we want to do is we want to default to the idea that we really we really can't deep inside trust people to do the right thing. But we can. And I think you've seen that, Reza, too, that people can um, be trusted if mm -hmm. we're clear with them about results and who they're serving. It's another thing I want to bring up quickly is that our customer is not our coworker. My boss isn't my customer. You know, the finance department isn't my customer. 
marketing isn't my customer. My customer's the customer. So no matter where I am in the company, we all have to path our way out to who is the ultimate customer of this organization. Because I'm serving that customer no matter what my job is, because what I do helps other people in the organization serve that customer as well. So we have to keep our eye on the ball and um, make sure we're focused in the right direction. Mm, absolutely. No, I'd echo that. And certainly that's what, what I found. I mean, I gave complete autonomy to my team a few years ago when we, when we started this process. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually turned around and said, well, no, we, we, you know, we need to make sure that there's coverage between the normal working hours when clients expect us to be at the end of the phone. And they themselves, you know, figured out a rota as to when the phones would be covered based upon, you know, the working preferences of, of each of the individuals within the team. Mm-hmm. So what's on in terms of when you give them control over that decision making process, then they do step up and they make sure that. So as long as you have clearly articulated your expectations in terms of what we need to deliver to the end customer, which is what it's all about, delivering those high level of service, then, you know, they take ownership and they deliver uh, and it happens. And there is, you foster, I think, a deeper sense of of team where everyone chips in and they help each other out. And, uh, you know, the cover just just happens because you've given them that complete trust and autonomy to be adults and and know what to do and and get on with it. it. it, it works. <laughs> you know, people really do step up to the plate. And I think what happens sometimes too is there's natural cross-training that goes on. People start to work a little more outside the boundary of their role. And that makes the organization even stronger when we're not sitting back and going, well, that's not my job. Really, our job is to work with other people to serve the customer. And so even though roles are important, it's also important for people to be able to come forward with ideas and thoughts and ways to be better and whatever that looks like. You know, people worry so much about, are people going to team in an environment like this? Are we going to keep the team together? Are we going to preserve our culture? You know what I say to that? Why are you preserving it? What we need to do is advance our cultures. We need to advance culture is made up of people and beliefs and, you know, behaviors and those can change and we can still um, be vibrant and have healthy communities and all the things we need to do. But if we keep holding on to the idea that if we don't have all these boundaries and barriers in place, we're going to lose everything. Those are the companies that are going to stay stuck forever. Just stuck. Mm-hmm. And the talent is going to go to the organizations this year that or the next you know, few decades in the organizations that have made that mindset shift and are hiring people to do actual work, not show up, show up, (laughs) actually do work and get shit done. Absolutely. Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, a quote in the book, The Gifted Boss by Dale Dorton, where he says that, um, you know, the good employees, the ones that you want to hire, what they want is they want freedom from management, mediocrity and morons. Right. I love that. And I like um, this other question that came up too about what about junior members or new members that come into your organization? Like they're just out of college or how do they kind of learn? And I love that question because I think what's happened is we've, we've thought to ourselves, if there's a work environment where everybody's together, somehow new people will learn like through osmosis or something. 
But what you what we need to do is think about how do we help people, right? Learn their job or learn their role or learn about the organization. Be more deliberate. Think to yourself, in the first month, how can I help this person learn more about the organization? I'll give them 10 email addresses of people they can contact and learn more. I will um, figure out what kinds of things they need to know in their job to help them get started. So it's, it's really being deliberate about that onboarding process and not just defaulting to, well, it'll just happen if everybody's in the office. I mean, I remember my first three weeks when I worked at Best Buy corporate. And I barely made it through the th first three weeks. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I came in every day. I felt sick to my stomach. I sat in my cube. I looked around. I thought, oh, I hope somebody invites me to a meeting because I had no idea what to do. It was like, well, she, we hired her, we showed her her cube and, and gave her a job description, but there was no support for a person. It was only, well, they're in the office. So something will happen. Let's be more deliberate about that and help people. It's a whole new world. So we have to think differently about how we interface and connect with our talent. Mm, yeah, most definitely. I would, I would echo that in that, um, yeah, managers have to be a lot more intentional in terms yes. of how they manage. And I think there's a big, there's a big gap in training for managers. Uh, it's because managers kind of, they, they start off doing the job and then they get promoted to be managers, but nobody teaches them, teaches them how to manage. There's, there's a big gap there. Right. So that actual, that, the, the, so the managers need to go from actually being responsible for the job to them being responsible for the people who are responsible for the job. Mm -hmm. And that is the role of us as the, you know, the leaders of our organizations, the business owners to actually upskill our managers in terms of coaching them to be better managers. And it's all about being more intentional in terms of how you induct new employees and, and train, etc. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to happen in the office. You know, there is so many virtual tools available to us. But, you know, the road doesn't say you never go into the office if there is no. a purpose to right. go into the office by all means go to the office and in fact going to the office is good for social connection we're all social beings so we do need that connection and it's good but it's not a case of that's the only place that work happens and you must stay in the office between the, uh, these hours because that's the only way work happens you know the, the, to the managers the most important thing is giving people the autonomy to make the choice about when they come into the office and why right so it's not just i just go there that's the default location it's that I'm intentional, like you said before, about when I go in. And people, you know, there's another um, comment here in the, in the chat about team spirit or teaming. And I think we also have something in our brain about what a team looks like. We like to say that teaming isn't built around the water cooler, it's built around the work. So if I understand my work and what I need to do, I will, I will connect with people either in an office or on a Zoom or however that looks, and I will, I will team with them to get something done together. So I think we also have to um, step back and ask ourselves, what is it that we really mean by team? What does that mean? And when people are saying, well, I don't feel the team spirit, what do they mean? Ask a, ask a deeper question. Tell me more about that. Well, I never get to see Reza anymore. And we used to see each other in the office every day. 
well, have you reached out to him to have a cup of coffee? You know what I mean? It's it's like we have forgotten how to, you know, drive that deliberately ourselves because it's been told to us, this is how you team by everybody sitting in the same location every day. We we can be teams. I, you know, I team with people all over the globe without seeing them ever in the same space at the same time, unless it's digitally. So it's just, I think it's, it, it's that mindset shift I talked about at the beginning. That's, I will say it's not easy because we have a lot of beliefs from the last 75 years of working. But if we can step back and ask ourselves more questions about why we're thinking the way we're thinking, why do I feel like the team meeting needs to be in the office? Why do I think people don't collaborate well when they're not together? Why do I believe that? And really, really sit with that for a while. That's that's a first step. And it's what we do in our workshops as well, is we help people um, rewire their brain and their idea of how they think about work so that they can behave differently. You know, in our book, there's a lot of stuff we do in the book and talk about in the book that has really helped organizations think differently and people think differently. There's a lot that's not in there, too. So, um, you know, the secret sauce on how to really create an authentic results only work environment is in the intellectual property of what we do. And so I encourage people, you know, read the book and, and start shifting how, how you can and let us know how we can help so that you can be a certified results only work environment and really get past those things once and for all and leave them behind. And yeah. it's it's fun too, isn't it, Reza? I mean, it's it's absolutely. fun to start letting go of that stuff. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, it was it was huge when um, we kind of did it. And actually, the you know the big the interestingly for me, it, obviously, it, it was quite obvious when I read the book and thought because mm. I I just read I read the book Drive by Damping just before I read yours. Yeah. Yep. Those two together were like, wow, yeah, <laughs> this is why have I not done this years ago? This is just like. You know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and I'm so um, glad you, you did that because I think there's, there's people like yourself that connect quickly into some of these ideas and can put them into practice. And, um, and I think we have to be sensitive to that. It's, it's hard for a lot of people, hmm. even though it seems obvious. Some of this seems like, well, duh. I mean, why haven't we been doing this forever? But then we try to do it, but then we're up against all sorts of belief systems that want to hold it in place. Culture tries to hold itself in place. So if you can bring people along as a smart mob and help them overcome these uh, things that are holding us back, it's pretty liberating. And um, I'm so excited about how you caught it really quickly and were able to start putting that into practice yourself, some of the ideas that are in the book. Yeah, I mean, um, so, I mean, uh, although it made sense to me, and I said, you know, I made a decision to to kind of move our our firm in that direction, and I said, right, from this day onwards, we are going to be, you know, work when, where, and how we want. But actually, it was so difficult for the team to grasp the concept, in particular the manager. They had a real hard time. And even for, you know, a year, a year and a half after we'd started, I would still hear those comments to say, oh, where's Matthew? You know, I'm going to just pick him up and he's already gone home. 
And I, I would turn around and say, <laughs> did you tell Matthew that you needed him for something? What can right. you can you get hold of him? Can you pick up the phone? Can you send him an email? So it, because these things are so ingrained, they're so deeply ingrained, time as this notion of that's how work gets, gets done, it goes, it's so rooted to the core, it's hard to shift, but you've got to start. And like you say, you know, work, uh, um, you know, work with people like yourself to kind of get that mindset mm -hmm. shift. It's hard. I mean, if it's, you know, it's, it's hard for employees to adjust to that way of thinking because it's uh, it, it's still an alien concept, surprisingly, oh, yes. in 2021. <laughs> I mean, how long ago did you write the book? Was uh, it 2008. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. There's there's something we do in training, and it's called do something scary. And literally, we'll have people do something like get up from your workstation at two o'clock in the afternoon and just walk out. Just walk out. And just that act right there makes people break out into a sweat. Like they're <laughs> like, I can't do that. And it's like the idea that. If you're managing your work and you know what you're doing and you're communicating and you decide at two o'clock in the afternoon to walk out of the building, doesn't mean you stopped working. It doesn't mean nobody can get a hold of you, like you said, but that's what our brain does. Our brain looks at that person and says, Ooh, they're leaving early. And they're and, and we're assuming they stopped working. And so those are the things we break down because like the struggle that you had, it's hard for managers and it's hard for people. So we have to put things in place to help people overcome those fears and things that are holding them back from really realizing their true potential. And when everybody can start realizing that, it really elevates the organization. We've had um, organizations get 30 times their return on investment. Wow. 30 times. And investing in your culture is one of the best things you can do. As you know, it's culture's everything. Absolutely. And I think we need to stop talking about preserving it and start talking about advancing it. Let's advance our cultures. Let's get into the this, this century. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, though. It's hard. It is. It's hard. Yeah. But, you know, it, organizational change is hard, but it's absolutely necessary. And when you get mm -hmm. it right, get everyone rowing on that boat in the same direction, you can achieve anything, which is why it's worth investing in your culture and your people. Because at the end of the day, it's that's, that's your people and your culture, which are going to help you to advance your goals and uh, uh, help you um, achieve the impact that you want to in the world. Absolutely. You know, everybody should ask themselves. Does everybody in my organization clearly understand the measurable results of their work? And if you can't say a resounding yes, that's where you need to start. It's starting with that idea. Like, I like to get in a room and say to people, you know, meet me tomorrow morning at nine o'clock in front of the building and we're going to go on vacation. I'll see you then. What's the first thing they need to know? Where are we going? Right? Because otherwise, one person comes and they bring their skis and their jackets and their snow pants and their boots. Another person brings bathing suit, you know, umbrellas, sunscreen, because we don't know where we're going, but we're doing a lot of activities to get ready. 
we're we're making flights to the wrong destinations. We're packing the wrong things. I like to say you can't pack your bags till you know where you're going. And so we're wasting a lot of time in organizations because some people think we're going to Hawaii and other people think we're going to Colorado and some people think we're going to France. And so we're we're busy getting ready for that. But we don't know where we're going. So that's something that we all should really ponder and think about. Is everybody clear about where we're going so that they can do the right activities to optimize getting there? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to be clear as to what the results are. What are you holding people accountable yeah, to? Yeah, and who's Without the that? customer? Who's the customer? It's so important. You know, I think we, we, we spend a lot of time on goal setting activities. And goal setting in itself is an activity to try to put in place, you know, structure around the work. And I like to call like smart goals, sense, senseless minutiae against random tasks. It's just stuff that we do every day to check off a checklist. But backwards planning, stepping back and saying, what is, what is the ultimate outcome that I need to achieve? What is our company trying to do? And then work back from there, depending on your role, to understand how you can impact that outcome versus spending a lot of time on a goal-setting activity and checking it off. We used to set goals twice a year at, at Best Buy. And I'm kind of throwing Best Buy under the bus. It's a great company, love the company. But we would make those, um, we'd fill out our goal setting sheets and then we'd just file them and go to a lot of meetings and show up at eight and you know run around. And, and then we would pull those out during performance time, evaluation time, and we'd look at them. Oh yeah, that's what I was gonna do. And so they're not, um, it's not a continuous performance idea of all the time I'm thinking about the right things to do and having conversations around that. I delegate it to twice a year, I have a performance conversation. So we have to move away from that as well and talk about performance all the time, but get really clear about what that means. Performance isn't showing up at eight and leaving at five. That's not performance. Performance isn't understanding how many vacation days I get. And performance isn't my manager getting all upset because I'm working at 11 o'clock at night. Maybe that's when I want to work. Maybe that's how I move the work along. So the idea of performance today and in the future is, again, a mindset shift in how we think about our talent and how we manage work better so that they can have richer lives, which is in Dan Pink's book, Autonomy, Mastery, and Purpose. That is the secret to motivation. Absolutely. Not my flexible work schedule. <laughs> <laughs> or I got to work from home on Friday. Absolutely. No. <laughs> Indeed. And yeah, another, another one of my favorite quotes from, that, um, from Dale Dalton in the book is, have few rules, but high standards. Yes. Love yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, it really is simple, isn't it? 
Absolutely. I mean, the amount of time that we spend on coming up with policies for how you should dress and, you know, where you right. should be and what you need to do. If we just, you know, fill in the, the coffers of the bureaucrats here, you know, just <laughs> why, why let the bureaucrats dictate how we should treat our people? Treat people how you want to be treated, treat right. people with trust and respect, build that culture that, you know, your team will intrinsically know what to do. So as long as you have clearly articulated where you want to take them, you are the leader in your organization. People who you recruit have put their hand up and said, we are happy to follow you to where you want to take it because we believe what you believe. Right. So clearly articulate your purpose and your vision, get the right Absolutely. people in the right seats and trust them to get the work done, which would help you advance your goals and objectives. Sounds simple. It. <laughs> it does sound simple. It's so hard. I, I think Michelle's comment is really good. It can be hard for employees to understand the culture change as well. And I totally agree with that. I think what we've we've done with culture over the last 75 years is we expect leadership to drive the culture and create the culture. And what we need to do moving forward to help Michelle employees understand the changes, they need to be part of it. So they need to be um, part of how the culture is changing and shifting. And I think that's why results-only work environment has been successful is because it's not a top-down change. It's a change that everybody has their hands in all at the same time. And they know what their role is to shift it. And so they self-correct each other all along. Instead of having a list of things that they need to do to make change, or having somebody tell them how to change, it's involving them in the creation of where they're going that energizes people to be part of it and understand it better. That's also not easy, but I think it's possible and I think we can do it and we can do better by bringing people along as part of the change. Absolutely. Now there's been, uh... It's been fantastic talking to you, Jody. Um, and we could talk for hours, I am sure. But unfortunately, our we could. Our we have a lot to say, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm still amazed. Why do you think it's taking so long for? I mean, in my, I mean, we started off talking about you know the pandemic, and I said it's been a silver lining, <laughs> but actually, you've said we've got nowhere. Um, <laughs> so, that was I, a downer. <laughs> But I, I don't know, maybe it's different across the pond where you are and where we are. Not different. No? Okay. I mean, I've maybe in my little micro kind of profession of the accountants who mm -hmm. uh, I think our profession has undergone a lot of change through technology and automation yes. and pricing. So it kind of all works together and the, and the whole row concept fits in quite nicely with it as well. So there's been a lot more renewed interest. And, um, you know, my belief has been the pandemic has been a silver lining because employees have realized that you don't need to see your employees with their bums on seats for work to get done because work has got done in the past year and you haven't had that control in seeing your employees with their bums on seats. So that kind of realization, I believe, those has, has happened and slowly, hopefully, that even after we get back to the office, um, certainly in some of the circles that um, I have been uh, moving in, that um, there has been a shift in thinking and long may it continue. But what, why do you think it's taken so long for, 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 for employees and employers and companies to, to catch up to this way of working? What's, what's, holding, what's holding employers back? It's, it's all about control. It comes mm. down to control. If we can control people, 
then work will get done. And that the, the whole idea that we need to control where people are every day, because if we don't, they're not going to collaborate and work's not going to get done, is the problem. That's the challenge. And that's why today we're doing the hybrid approach. We need to control where people are working from in order to feel like work is happening. So I'm going to predict right now, and when we get on another podcast in six months, we'll see where we are. <laughs> but it's going to shift, shift right back into the office because that's where we're comfortable. If people look like they're working, they must be working. So we have a lot, of, we have a lot to do in terms of culture change. And the organizations today that are, are curb jumping and they're going to let go of all those flexibility programs and go into a whole new place, they're the ones that are going to get the talent and survive. So if you're still, you know, thinking about where should people work from, that's what we have to break. Thinking about where they should work from is irrelevant. Talk about what the work is and people will go to the place they need to. If I'm a bus driver, where should I be? At home on my couch or on the bus, right? So people are going to make the right decisions, whether they're in retail. We've done this with construction workers, call centers, you know, direct care nursing facilities. It's about shifting a mindset so that my relationship with my manager is completely changed. And now I think about the customer in everything I do. So even if I have to be at a certain location, I think that way too. Receptionist, whatever. A receptionist job is not to be there from eight to five. That's not their job. Their job is to make sure the customer satisfaction scores are improving. That's their job. And if the doors open at eight, nobody's there, customer sat goes down. Let's measure that. Let's not measure the eight o'clock. Have, have people be accountable to what they really need to be accountable for. And they will step up to the plate and do the right thing. But let, let's, let's keep working on moving people forward. Let's yep. keep conversation around this because I think this is an important global conversation right now in terms of how we advance work culture. You know, the whole idea that I, I, I need to control people instead of controlling the work is where we're stuck. Yeah. And it's, and it's quite simple in terms of if you don't, isn't it? Because right. do your job, keep your job. Yes. I always say no results, no job. That's the new employee agreement. Absolutely. What? How can you say that? No results, no job. Well, why did you hire people? <laughs> right? To just take up space? I mean, we need to we need to get to there because that's why we're paying people. Yep. To actually advance our mission. And like you say, talk about your vision and mission, get people, you know, get people understand the purpose. And then how they fit into that so that their activities of work mean something. And it's not just busy work. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just take this last question, Jody, and then we'll bring it to a close from right. What role for development appraisals in a row leave their de development more to individual people 
So ask yourself the question. I think it's Azam. Yeah. Um, whose job is it to develop people? So that's the first question. It's interesting that people actually want to develop and they can create their own path and how to do that and use their results coach for help. But I think if we feel like um, the development is just up to the manager, that's where we get to that situation again of um, more of an authoritarian way of looking at it. People will develop, but ask questions about what they need and what they want and what they want in their career. And if you can help them, that's great. But I think we need to ask more questions. What is it you want to see? What is it you need help with? How can I help you in your, in your career? What kind of things do you want to do in this role? Keep asking those questions and then help with the opportunities to get there. I hope that's answered your question. I think development is very important, but I think it can't only be driven by management. I think people have to drive their development as well. Mm, absolutely. And also moving away from the notion that, you know, performance appraisals should only happen twice a year at fixed times. Right. Questions. It's, it should be feedback should be continuous, continuous performance. All the time. So, you know, why wait six months to give feedback when something would be more valuable to give feedback right now? If there's a behavior that an employee is showing that they need to change, don't wait six months. Right. Have it's a too complaint. late then. Too yeah. late. Absolutely. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Communication is the key. Be clear and not ambiguous. Be crystal clear about what you need and when you need it. And it's going to help people manage their time better. Absolutely. Fantastic. Jody, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm sure the audience have got a lot of value from this. If you are listening on a replay and you have a question, put it in the comments. And if Jody or myself are around, we're happy to uh, to answer afterwards. Um, I will hope you got some value from it. I'm sure you have. Jody, do you have any parting words for the audience before we call it a day? First of all, thank you for having me. Everybody, keep moving forward. This isn't easy, but we can do it. We can do better. And you know, visit us on our website. We have stuff out there that you can look at and goro.com. And we'd love to keep this conversation going with you. I really appreciate you having me on today. And this has been fun. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Sorry, I've, I forgot I was supposed to ask you as well that if people want to know more about how to go about it, <laughs> what should they do? And you've answered we, can help. <laughs> we can help. It's not easy. You certainly can. Fantastic. So thank you very much for tuning in today and uh, I'll see you on the next session. Take care and bye for now. Well, wasn't that brilliant? I hope you got some value from that. Uh, I certainly did. And it was great to get Jody in and answering some of those questions that you may have heard that came up during the live session. If you want to know more about a results only work environment, feel free to connect with Jody on LinkedIn. I also talk about it quite frequently. So if you're not already in a Facebook group or haven't already downloaded some of the resources that I have on my website, resahooda.com about how we transition towards an environment where our people are focused only on the results, not when the actual work happens, where time is taken out of the equation and we just focus on results. As Jody said, it's all about 
accountability and autonomy. If you enjoy this podcast, would be very uh, grateful if you could leave us a review on whichever platform you are listening to this podcast in. That would be much appreciated. And I will see you on the next session. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. For more free content, videos, and resources, visit www.rezahuda.com. And if you haven't already, come and join the community in our Transform Your Profits Facebook group, where we support each other to build more successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firms.